You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Whenever I was a kid, I was playing dress-up. Um, but I, I was playing, I guess I was playing dress-up as, as different characters, and, and I don't mean like my, my sister used to dress me up as her imaginary friend Lisa, um, and that's not what I'm talking about. Um, but, but like when I watched a movie, I, I instantly became that character. When I watched Star Wars, I was Luke Skywalker with a Christmas wrapping paper, you know, lightsaber, and my banana seat bike was the X-Wing, and I was just soaring through uh, the galaxy, also known as my neighborhood. Um, and when I watched Zorro, my t-shirt instantly became a bandana, and I masqueraded, and I swung uh, from the furniture in my bedroom uh, like I was running away from villains in a busy city. And one year for Christmas, my grandparents, they actually got me um, a Batman outfit that I would wear around the house, and I had masks of Power Rangers and of Spider-Man uh, that I would wear as well. And one time I even tried, to my own shame, uh, to make my own luchador wrestling mask. Uh, yes, stretchy pants. Um, I even tried to one, if you are a Star Wars fan, I even once tried to make a Han Solo frozen in carbonite statue out of uh, paper grocery bags and aluminum foil. Um, I like molded it around my hands and my face, and uh, it, was, it was not that great. Um, I almost posted a picture, but I was like, no, no, no. The, the mental picture is definitely better than what it would have looked like in, the, in pictures. Um, but I love being characters because I love the supernatural. I loved adventure, and I love to uh, see heroes taking a stand and narrowly making an escape. And I think that's why I clung to the stories of Daniel um, from a really early age. The earliest Bible story I remember learning about and being fascinated by was the story of Daniel and the lion's den. And um, I know that many of you know that I didn't grow up going to church, but I actually had a cartoon uh, whenever I was a kid of this awesome beloved tale. And, um, and earlier this week, I tried to find that cartoon, and, and I found it, and I found out that the actor who voiced Daniel in that cartoon um, it w- is actually the, the guy who played the captain on the TV show The Love Boat. <laughs> and I thought that, so if you guys know The Love Boat, like that's just picture the captain like being Daniel and your childhood is instantly shattered. Um, but I, I love Daniel and like a Jedi or Zorro or, uh, you know, another superhero, I used to dress up like Daniel and I would wear my parents' bathrobe and put a bright pink a torn up bath towel on my head to fit the culture of the time. Very historically accurate. Um, but once I started going to church in my teenage years, I also became fascinated. There's another story in the book of Daniel of these men who are in this fiery furnace. And because I wasn't familiar with the Bible for years, for years, I didn't even know uh, where this story was. I just, I just knew it was awesome. Uh, there are these guys, and they're in this fire, and they're not burning. But once I found it, I would read it constantly and would often tell people that it was my favorite story in the whole Bible. So I was definitely, definitely excited when we were brainstorming and Daniel's name, of all names, came up. Um, I get to preach about my childhood hero. And even though my childhood perception of him is shattered by that guy from the love boat, it doesn't matter because Daniel is still the man. 
Daniel is an excellent book because it shows Daniel and a small group of men um, how they ended up changing an entire empire. When we were looking at how to structure the series and we were looking over Daniel's life, uh, we noticed that the way that Daniel chose to live, it looked very familiar to us. Um, And with that, we thought that there was no better way to structure out this series than um, to look at how the book of Daniel prioritizes a person's relationship with God, with others, and with the world. And so this month is, is a, it's surely a series on Daniel, I, I assure you that, um, but it's also a series about us individually, and it's a series about our mission here at the Gateway Church. And so let's buckle up, and uh, let's get ready for an awesome ride, all right? Yeah. All right, so we're going to start our series from the very beginning, and no, I'm not talking about uh, Genesis, but if you'd like to turn to Daniel chapter 1 with me this morning, we'll see how Daniel connected with God in the midst of society in the midst of service, in the midst of success as well. All of Daniel's recorded life took place in captivity. He was a prisoner throughout his whole life, and in his lifetime, he had 60 years of service, working under 40 different kings of multiple empires, and none of them were his own. Because of this, the book of Daniel is the only book in the Bible that has sections not just written in Hebrew, but written in Aramaic as well, which is actually, if you, if you didn't know this, it's the language that Jesus spoke. So Daniel was trained, he was educated, and he was a leader in a pagan nation. Daniel grew up and led in a society that didn't love, that didn't honor, or follow God. But the first lesson we'll learn today is that Daniel connected with God even in the midst of a society that didn't follow him. So let's take a look at the opening verses in Daniel chapter 1. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And who? It was the Lord. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. So let's stop there for a moment. Do you guys have a date on a calendar and instantly, when that date rolls around, it brings a flood of memories? I mean, does anyone remember the date that they started following Jesus? I know I do. How many here remember the day that they got married? Right? Right? You know the date? All the guys instantly shoot to the ground. They're like, oh no, I'm on blast already, sleeping on the couch. But I hope so. Um, And maybe there's another date you're thinking of and and it brings pain or, or maybe even sorrow. Maybe it's a a day when the calendar rolls around and it reminds you of a son or a daughter or a mother or a father who passed away. And that day rolls around and it comes up and, and there's a wound that's instantly opened up and you feel the pain just like you did on the day of that tragedy. And for me, I think of September 11th, 2001. I think it's something that a lot of us can think of and, and it instantly, um, instantly we relive that moment like it's yesterday. And even though it's almost 17 years later, I can remember being homesick from school that day, kind of bunkered in my room in the early part of the morning. I remember um, when I walked out into the living room and, and knowing exactly still where my mom and my dad were sitting and um, seeing the smoke rise from the first World Trade Center on the TV. And when I moved out to the East Coast and I met my wife, the memory was even more cemented in my mind as I met first responders and I heard of stories of people my age who had lost loved ones um, and others who even lived in fear that day not knowing 
what future was in store for their family, with their family being who knows where in the city at the time. The wound is still fresh for many of us in America, and uh, especially those on the East Coast. And because of that, when we got married, Kyle uh, brought with her pictures of the World Trade Centers, and, and they're hanging in our apartment still today, uh, one of Ground Zero and, and a couple of the World Trade Centers. And it's crazy how just thinking of a date can just, it can do so much. And on a positive note, um, I, you know, I not just remember, I don't just remember September 11th, I also remember October 11th, one month later, um, but a few years down the line, in 2015, or as I like to call it, it's the happiest day of my life, and all the men say yeah. amen, and all the women say amen, um, and it's when I married my best friend uh, in the front row, Kyle, wave at everyone, no, she's, okay, thank you, <laughs> and let me tell you what, yeah, thank you, so, and that day, uh, flew by, and I feel bad because, like, I mean, you know, you're like your wedding day. It's like crazy, and so I only remember snippets. I remember like watching TV that morning and being bunkered in my room and not being allowed to leave or like go anywhere because something might happen. So I was just like stuck in that room the whole time. And I remember, you know, at the reception, dancing with a lot of my friends and family, and it's just feeling like a giant family get together. There's a lot of things I remember from that day, but there's one thing that I know I'll never forget. And it's uh, when, it's, it's just the way that Kyle looked when she walked down the aisle with her dad. Um, I'll never forget the moment when we were just staring into each other's eyes saying I do. I, I honestly, I forget everything that our, um, that our speaker Kevin said. Um, I just, but I remember uh, that moment of looking into your eyes like it was yesterday. And, and I can still feel that love today. Um, and not just my love for Kyle, but I mean, I, I can feel my love and my excitement from that moment when we decided to share our lives together. You see, it's easy for us to read the Bible today, and we see names and we hear places, and it just goes over our heads. But Daniel's writing to people who were living in what we're reading right now. They know these names, and these moments are cemented into their minds forever. And so for them, Daniel might as well said on September 11th, 2001, and just went on with the rest of his story. Daniel is painting a picture of the society they lived in by reminding them of their unfaithful leaders. The one mentioned here is Jeho uh, Jehoiakim. He's the king of Judah. He was first mentioned uh, in 2 Kings 24 as being a pretty not so great guy. Uh, the Bible says that there was innocent blood on his hands. And that he was evil, his father was evil, and even his father before him was evil. And so I like to say that they put the fun in dysfunctional. So Daniel also mentions, you know, the king of Babylon, who uh, the hardest word to say in the Bible, Nebuchadnezzar. Um, there's like every word in the alphabet in there. And, and we'll learn a little bit more about him later in the season, but, or uh, in the series. Um, but Nebuchadnezzar was also a not so great guy. He came and he conquered Israel's capital city, the pinnacle of all places in the land of Israel, Jerusalem. He came, he saw, he conquered, and then he pillaged and ransacked the city. He took all the wealth and all the riches from the most beautiful place in the promised land, and he left the city and the country in shambles. This, this is the reminder that Daniel opens his letter with. We and Daniel's original readers are now immediately met with this dilemma. Will Daniel be like his former leaders who claim to be followers of God 
but had no fruit of that in their lives? Or will Daniel be like his future leaders, kings with lofty aspirations and a God complex? This moment of the book, uh, there were people whose lives were in the balance as they were trying to figure out how to live for a God in a society that wasn't living for him. And Daniel will soon be painted in a stark contrast to the other men listed at the beginning of this book. The reader's original dilemma is now fully known. Will they be like their former society who claim to follow God but look nothing like him? Or will they be like their new society who neither recognize God or follow him? Or will they follow God and be kingdom-minded? Will they stand above the values of any earthly society and embrace God and his values? And many here know, I mean, we're faced with that same dilemma still today. Will we be like some in today's Christian society? People who live from God, uh, for God only from Sunday to Sunday? Will we be like those who today see church as a country club or just another social gathering that they do throughout the week? instead of being the hands and the feet of Jesus? Will we reach out and befriend only those who are like-minded to us and never actually share the love of Jesus with others and reach our one? Will we be like those who place our allegiance in a flag or a political party or a country instead of placing our allegiance at the foot of the cross? Or will we be like those in today's post-Christian society Will our feelings and our dreams and our preferences and our aspirations matter more than following God and loving others? Will we claim to stand for tolerance while we're intolerant of those we disagree with? Will we embrace the latest philosophical and political craze of the time because it's the cool thing to do? Will we walk out of these doors today and live the rest of our lives as though God doesn't exist? Daniel chose to walk in the way of God instead. Throughout the book, Daniel is seen standing up for God's laws and following them, even though it could mean death. Daniel and his friends refused twice, twice to worship the kings of their age and commit idolatry. And both times they escaped death by the supernatural hand of God. And we'll hear those stories later in our series. They couldn't worship the values of their society because they worshiped God. Daniel is seen as a man who, wasn't, uh, who didn't just pray, but he was a man who prayed multiple times a day, who prayed on top of his building for all to see. His character was impeccable, and his leadership was as well, and his boldness is something that we should be encouraged by today. We need to connect with God in whatever society you're in, regardless of the values of our friends or our neighbors or the values of West Michigan or America, we need to be people who follow after Jesus in everything we do. Like Daniel's time, we have friends and family and children whose lives are in the balance. Many are looking, and they're trying to figure out how to live for God in an age of smartphones and social media and science. Is it truly possible? Is it truly possible to live for God in this society? I would say look no further than to look at the life of Daniel. But Daniel didn't just connect with God in society. He also, and this is our second point, connected with God in service. And so let's jump back, and we'll jump back into Daniel, and we'll read verses 3 through 14 and see how the story pans out. 
says, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites. And this is important. They're from royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude of every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them, and this is also important, he assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen uh, were some men from Judah. There was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food to drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom, uh, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servant for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink, then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this, and he tested them for 10 days. See, Daniel and his friends were taken away uh, because they were young and they were impressionable. Before this time, kings would come, and they would defeat their enemies, and then they would put heavy restrictions on them. Um, and They would essentially force these people to go into slavery. And at this time, we can now see a shift here where kings realize that they can actually get their enemies on their side. A submissive nation is definitely better than a rebellious one. So Nebuchadnezzar took these future leaders of Israel and he tried to instill in them the values of the Babylonians. But we already know that Daniel stands up for God amidst this society and now we'll see him do it here in service as well. Part of the benefits package, if you will, of working with the king would be to eat the king's food. Sounds pretty awesome, right? Um, this would be an incredible spread of the best meats and other eats, um, along with the best drinks in all the land. And if you were here last time, whenever I preached, I talked about my love for Coca-Cola. And so I bet if you are eating and drinking the, best, uh, the king's best food, there will definitely be Coca-Cola there. It definitely <laughs> existed. That's biblical. So, but for men Daniel's age, like this was probably the most amazing food they had ever seen. I'm picturing like, this is like uh, Peter Pan and Captain Hook in, in the movie Hook, that just uh, amazing spread of food. And part of their service to the king was to make sure they were fit and able to protect the king um, while they were in and around the kingdom. And here's where Daniel is met with another dilemma. And we don't know exactly why this food was bad, but, but, but Scripture says that Daniel didn't eat um, the king's food. Food literally fit 
for a king because it was defiled. And it's funny to me that Daniel um, had higher standards than the leader of the known world. And from what we know, it could be that the food went against the law of Moses, um, which would make it ceremonially unclean. It could be uh, that Daniel saw eating the king's food as maybe taking a handout, and he didn't want the people to think that he was relying on anyone other than God, um, even in what he ate or drank. But it could also be um, that wine and, and nice meats, they were also typically equated with celebrating. And Daniel, you know, probably didn't really feel like celebrating after his home got destroyed and um, his people got persecuted and he essentially got kidnapped. Um, but regardless, Daniel was asked to compromise his convictions for his job. And maybe that's happened to you. Maybe you've had a coworker ask you to cut corners somewhere. Maybe those you work with take extra long breaks or lunch hours and encourage you to do the same. And maybe they spend much of their time on Facebook or on social media or surfing the internet um, while you're doing the hard work. Or, or even worse, maybe you've witnessed um, someone you work with doing something bad towards your employer, robbing from your employer, stealing from your employer, and, and you're afraid to speak up because you'll be seen as a narc or, or a stitch or whatever, or a snitch or whatever you call it, and, and you don't want to be look, uh, you don't want to look badly among your peers. And, and in those moments, we need to be reminded that when we serve, whether at church or at work or anywhere else, we are ultimately serving God. And this same principle, I mean, this is something that carried into the, the New Testament church uh, as well. It says in Colossians 3.17 that whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever we do, we need to be connected with God in our service. In Colossians, it takes it one step further, and it says that we need to do it with thankful hearts. No matter how hard it might be or, or how much we may not want to do it, when we serve at work or at home or at church for God, we can do it cheerfully knowing that we are being part of a larger story of what God is doing in our world. And so maybe now after reading the section, for some of you who are familiar with the Bible, um, you're thinking, hey, this, this sounds pretty familiar. Isn't this the scripture that the Daniel fast, Daniel, Daniel fast, that the Daniel fast is based out of? And um, if you don't know what fasting is, fasting is where you either um, abstain from a meal uh, for, you know, one day uh, or a meal once a week, or maybe you even abstain from all meals for a week or a day or, or for a number of time. And, and in the New Testament, uh, we actually see uh, Jesus himself. He fasted uh, no food for 40 days when he wandered in the desert. And fasting, it was a common ritual. Uh, it is a common ritual today for us Christians, and it was a common ritual uh, for the Jewish people as well. The idea with fasting is that we are denying ourselves in order to remind ourselves that God is our source and that we rely on him alone. It's awesome to think of him as our daily bread. The Daniel fast is different um, from a normal fast in that you aren't abstaining from food altogether. Instead, you get to eat fruits and vegetables and a few other things. And, and my wife and I have actually done the Daniel fast twice. Uh, we did it once for 21 days, and we actually did it another time for 40 days for Lent leading up to Easter. And let me tell you, 40 days without sugar um, or bread or steak or coffee. Are you awake? Did you hear that? Or coffee? It's brutal. The last time we did it, we started on January 1st, and it truly helped us, I think, start the year off on the right foot. 
And, um, and I mean, this is after the sugar and caffeine withdrawals. Um, and <laughs> but I hate to burst my own bubble, or maybe anyone else's, but the Daniel fast isn't really a fast at all. Daniel wasn't refusing the king's meat and wine because of a spiritual discipline. Um, he was doing it more to make a stand. For him, he was resisting sin and defilement. Eating the food that was defiled would allow a foothold into his life that would lead to compromise. And that's, that's one of the things this passage is about, not allowing sin or defilement to compromise us from connecting with God. When we serve no matter where we are serving, when we eat and drink, no matter what we are eating or drinking, we need to do it with integrity. We need to be aware of what we are consuming. Daniel uh, needed to worry about what he was physically consuming. Uh, But today, we need to be aware of the things we're spiritually consuming. Are the things we are letting into our systems affecting how we serve God? Or are we influencing our neighbors, co-workers, family, and friends by our service? Or are they influencing us? You know, relationships, just like anything else, there's something we consume. We consume the influence like, uh, uh, of others just like we influence, uh, consume the influence of certain music or, or movies or news articles. And we need to not let anything get in the way of how we connect with God through our service. So look at Daniel's boldness here. Daniel was willing to stand up to his boss for his convictions. In verse 12, Daniel said, test your servants for 10 days. And I don't know about you, but I know how I felt after 10 days of a Daniel fast, and it was not good. I still felt foggy uh, from the lack of sugar and caffeine, but Daniel had his faith in the Lord, not just in the test, but even in his boldness to ask for such a test. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Is anyone here afraid of their boss? You can be honest. It's okay. I I'm not afraid of my boss. I think he's the nicest guy I know. Um, Very gentle, very humble. Um, I'm not avoiding eye contact from him right now. Um, He is the most gracious person I've ever met. Um, Yeah, and so I hope you feel the same way. Daniel, but we have to think, Daniel didn't have any rapport with his boss yet, but it says that God allowed Daniel to have favor in his eyes. It doesn't say that Daniel... It doesn't even say that Daniel knew that. He didn't even know he had favor in his boss's eyes. Daniel didn't know how his boss would respond to this situation. His boss could have forced him to eat a certain way. Daniel's life could have even been in jeopardy if his boss thought that he was doing this to try to usurp the king's authority. But instead, Daniel and the others were willing to stand up to the test and show how God's way is a better way. But seriously, and, and I'm being very honest. Uh, don't get fired this week, please, for standing up to your boss and then come running back here next week and telling me it's my fault. Are we cool? Agreed? Awesome. Thank you. Cool. All right. So we need to connect with God in our society. Uh, we need to connect with God in service. And then our third point, we need to connect with God in our success as well. Uh, we've seen the setup to the story and now We're seeing the conflict as well, and it's coming to a boiling point. But let's look and see what happens after this 10-day test. And so we'll look at the rest of the chapter. It's Daniel 1, 15 through 21, and it says, At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and actually better nourished than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. 
So the guard took away their choice food um, and the wine they were uh, to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Uh, To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. And listen to this. In every manner of wisdom and understanding, in every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. See, Daniel's diet plan was better than any diet plan ever. So look out South Beach, look out Keto, look out Atkins, look out Grapefruit Diet. Like, not only is this dude eating fruits and veggies, but after a week and a half, like, these guys are more physically fit and healthier than any of the other men. Everyone else after this 10-day period is probably dad bodying it up, and, and these guys are looking like they're chiseled out of marble. And all these guys are drinking, you know, they're drinking those protein shakes and eating those gross, grainy protein bars. And, and here's, you know, Daniel and his friend just munching on carrots and getting jacked. <laughs> Daniel's integrity, it gave him influence. I mean, look how everything played out. If it wasn't for Daniel's character, he never would have, 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 have succeeded in Babylon. This book would have never been written. And we can see two people whom Daniel had success and influence with. We see success first with Daniel's boss, and now not only is Daniel eating fruits and vegetables, but everyone in the king's guard now had to, including the Babylonians and even the other Jewish men um, who were eating the defiled meat and drinking the king's wine. And I love it. It's because God's way is always the best way. And like Pastor Ben said earlier, people have told us numerous times that it'd be impossible to build our new building debt-free. You know, why wouldn't we just get a small loan and, and get our building up and then pay off the loan later? It's because we know, we know that God's way is better. We don't want to be slaves to a bank or to a mortgage, and we don't want debt to get in the way of us doing ministry, to us giving away backpacks, to us reaching our, our neighbors and we hope that people can see this amazing testimony, that they can hear how we raise over a million dollars, and that they can see hope in even being debt-free themselves. Maybe people have told you something similar. You know, how do you expect to get, you know, to get ahead in life when you're giving 10% of your money away to the church? Or what do you mean you're not coming to the party? Like, everyone's coming to the party. Or, I mean, this one, you probably hear pretty often, like, dude, it's only an extra 15 minutes out to lunch. We get paid pennies anyway. Like, what's, what's the big deal? It's in those moments that we need to remember that true influence, true success, it comes with integrity. But Daniel saw success with his boss, and, and what I love is he didn't rub it in his face. There's no scripture where Daniel's like, uh, duh, I'm right. Daniel was humble with his success, again, showing his integrity. And I hope we respond to our successes 
in the same way, knowing that our success ultimately comes from God. So Daniel not only had success with his boss, but he also had success with the king. God already has given Daniel supernatural strength after only eating fruits and veggies. But it says in verse 17 that God also gave him and his friends supernatural knowledge and wisdom as well. So after the physical test, Daniel and his friends now take on the mental test. And remember, they aren't learning in the synagogue. They aren't meeting here um, on Sunday mornings like we are and learning about God. They're learning about the ways of the Babylonians. And even under that teaching, they aren't swayed in their allegiance towards God. They're still faithful. You know what? That, I, I hope it gives you hope because that gives me hope. Sometimes we might worry about our kids being in public school or going off to a secular university. We may be afraid of what schools are teaching our kids or, or the other kids in our society or, or maybe even how our kids might be influenced by our society um, or by culture or by their friends. But this is a great reminder about how God can still move in people's lives even when they are in a learning environment that is hostile towards him. No matter where we are, God is still there if we are just faithful to connect with him. So we need to remember to be connecting with God in our society, in our service, in our success. Um, so essentially, we need to be connecting with God in every area of our life. And um, I love the last verse of our passage today. It says in verse 21 that Daniel remained where he was in the king's service until the first year of King Cyrus. And so remember what I said earlier about like names and dates and how we kind of just read over them. But this is an important date. It's letting the readers know before the rest of the story unfolds that Daniel served many years because he was faithful to God. Cyrus was actually the last king to serve in Daniel uh, in Daniel's lifetime. And so this was a quick reminder to Daniel's readers that Daniel was faithful to God for over 60 years years. It was as though he was saying, like, get ready, because this pattern that you're seeing here in chapter one will repeat itself throughout the rest of the book. And we can read this story sometimes and, and just think of it as maybe stupid or an insignificant start to a rather intriguing and exciting book, but this story actually sets the framework for the rest of the book. It shows God's sovereignty uh, how he is always in control, even amidst persecution and exile. Shows how God's ways are always better than man's ways. And most importantly, it shows how one man's faithfulness to God can give a group of people hope that they can do the same. Again, God had Daniel write his book to encourage the Jewish people while they were in exile. Later in the book, Daniel shares the hope that will soon come. God is sending his son to be their Messiah and deliverer. Daniel's words gave hope to a people who were living in captivity, a people living in fear, a people living in bondage, knowing that life for them wouldn't always be that way. When Jesus came some five or six centuries later, there were many who saw these words in Daniel literally coming to life. There's a lot of historical evidence even showing that Daniel's prophecies of the Messiah, that they were an important text in Jesus' day. 
Much like um, in Daniel's time, even though it's now 500 years later, the people of God are still in captivity. They're still in bondage, but now it's under Caesar and the Roman Empire. And just like we'll learn about Nebuchadnezzar um, next week, Caesar saw himself as though he was a god. But here we see, like Daniel, how Jesus' life is the perfect example of how we are to connect with God. The Jewish people were expecting the Messiah would come and would overthrow the Roman Empire. But Jesus connected with God instead, and he is now our prime example on how to love God and love others. Jesus gave people hope because he is the one in whom we give our, uh, put our hope in. And he didn't come and defeat Caesar. He came and he defeated the whole dominion of darkness. He came and defeated death. He came to give us life and to give it to us in the fullest. And I love that when I read Daniel, I can see an image of Jesus in Daniel's faithfulness. I can see an image of the one who is to come after him. And I want to look at one last passage um, in Daniel. This is in Daniel chapter 7. Uh, the second half of Daniel, if you don't know this, it's full of the supernatural. There are dreams, there are visions, uh, there are prophecies. And in that, we see this incredible image of Jesus. And here's what Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14 says. It says, In my vision I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. This is my favorite part. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. We look at Daniel and we see that there's hope to live for God when everything and everyone is trying to pull us away from him. We look at Jesus and, and his life, and we can see that hope being fulfilled, that Jesus fully lived for God in every area of his life, even if it meant that he would die a death that he didn't deserve. And today, we know that Jesus is alive, that he defeated death, hell, and the grave, that after he died on the cross for our sins, he was raised from the dead. And even today, these prophecies of Daniel are only partially realized because we have the promise that Jesus will come again. That there is still hope in this world because Jesus is alive and he is coming back to set everything right. And he is calling us to follow him. We have hope in this world when we're met with troubles when governments like Venezuela fall, when people in Syria are dying and being martyred, we have a hope. Even with the smallest problems that you might be facing today, there is hope in looking back to Jesus' life and looking ahead to his return. 
So I want to ask you this morning, what will today be? We talked earlier about um, the importance of a date. So I wanted to share an important date with you, and that's August 31st, 2003. It was the day that I chose to follow Jesus. It was the day I decided I needed a personal connection with God for myself. So that night before, um, I, had some group of, uh, I had a group of friends over for my birthday, and uh, we were hanging out, and we ended up sneaking out of the house and uh, ended up breaking into one of, our na- uh, one of my neighbor's homes. And at the time, whenever I was 14, I wasn't a leader like Daniel was. Instead, I followed the crowd, and, and I ended up paying the price for it. So when we got caught the next day, that's when it finally clicked in my head that I was a sinner. It was then I realized I needed to be saved. And before that moment, I thought that my own actions and, and I thought they were good enough to get me into heaven because I thought that I was a good person. But it was on August 31st, 2003, that I finally surrendered to Jesus. I realized that I was a sinner, like we all are. And I have nothing in myself that could get me into heaven. But Jesus died so that I could be forgiven. Jesus died to give me eternal life. So I want to ask you, what will today be for you? In the years to come, what will August 5th, 2018 mean to you? Will it be just another Sunday? Will you go home after this and just keep living like the kings of Israel, assuming that you and the big man are all good? Will you still be swayed by the influence of society? Or will you today choose integrity? Will you today choose to follow God and connect with him, not being defiled by the things of this world? Will you today choose Jesus? Let today be that day where you choose to follow. Amen? Amen. Let's pray this morning. Dear Jesus, we just thank you that you are the faithful one, that we read stories of so many people of faith throughout the ages, and Daniel is just one example, and we see an image of who you are, that you lived a sinless life, that you, the God of the universe, who created the stars in the sky, who shaped our world, who gave us everything. You chose to come down in our muck and in our mess and in our filth. And you showed us how to be faithful in the midst of it. Lord, help us today to be people who walk after you, who walk like Daniel did. every head would be bowed and every eye closed. If you want to make today, August 5th, the day that you choose to live for God, give him all you have. Today, you want to accept Jesus. Uh, maybe for the first time, maybe, um, maybe for the first time in a long time, but you've done it in the past. But if today you want to accept Jesus, as your Lord and Savior and follow him, 
Would you just raise your hand this morning? I would love to pray for you. I would love to walk with you. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? I see one hand this morning. Is there anyone else? Maybe today. Don't let today go by. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you've also heard how Daniel connected with God and in society or in service or in his success. And you, you saw an area where you need to be more sold out and connecting with God. If one of those things resonated with you today and you want to grow with him, would you just raise your hand as well? And we would love to pray with you. let's pray. Dear Jesus, we just thank you that you are good, that you are gracious, that you are great, that you are glorious, and we lean on you now. We surrender our will to you. We surrender our wants to you. Don't let anything get in the way of us following you. Whether it's the past, whether it's friendships, whether it's our own wants and, and evil desires, help us to yield ourselves to you. We're putting ourselves on the on-ramp to your way. Help us to walk and be faithful. Lord, we surrender ourselves to you again today. We give you all the glory and honor. In your name, amen. Amen. Will you stand with me? I just want to do one more prayer of benediction and then we'll go in the grace of God today. Dear Jesus, we thank you again for what you're doing in our midst at the Gateway Church. We thank you for what you're doing in the lakeshore. Let our love, let our joy, let our faithfulness in every area of our life be an inspiration to those who we come in contact with as we walk out these doors. And so I pray that you would go behind us. I pray that you would go before us. I pray that you would be in us and all around us and we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor and all God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you so much for being with us today. You may go in the grace of God this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.